Hey everybody, this is Scott with the Alpha Lima Charlie podcast. I don't know about you, but I'm tired of seeing the continuous suicides amongst the ranks of veterans, active duty service members, reserve service members, and the negativity and toxicity that contribute to the 22 suicides a day. My mission is to recreate the brotherhood and sisterhood of veterans through embracing positivity, developing a stronger mindset, destroying toxicity, and reducing the 22 to zero. So follow me to learn the concepts I've utilized in growing through my own challenges and hear the stories of success and tragedy through the challenges of others. So today is, uh, hey Richard, good to see you. So today is going to be a conversation and, and it's kind of a continuation of, of a couple of sessions or a couple episodes previously. And, um, you know, I, I keep going back to this, um, the need to talk about the things that we've, that we've been through, that we're dealing with. Um, some of you heard me talk about the, the Coke bottle analogy that I use. Um, You've heard me talk about, you know, even if you don't want to talk about it, just just do some journaling. Uh, and if you don't want anybody to read it, you don't want to run the risk of anybody reading it, fine, burn it. That's fine. But I'm going to read a, a brief piece. I'm not going to read the full article. But I'm going to read a, a brief article, uh, or at least a piece of this article, on... Let's shut my phone off here. Phone's going off. Put on vibrate. Um, I just want to read a, a snapshot of the article on the Zach Bowen and Addie Hall murder suicide. And this is something that you can actually find if you just Google Zach Bowen. You can actually read uh, this article in its entirety. Um, I'm not going to read the entire thing for the simple fact that it is extremely sadistic. It says, in late October of 2006, police responded to a call from the Omni Hotel in New Orleans regarding a jumper. A man had apparently leaped off the roof of a building and landed five stories down on the hotel's parking garage roof. When the police got there, it was clear that the man died on impact. It seemed at first that this was not a job for homicide. What do they have to do with a man who took his own life? The answer was in the deceased's front pocket in the form of a several page long suicide note. In it were instructions on how to find pieces of his girlfriend. Zach Bowen was, according to those who knew him, a decent person. There was nothing about him that made people guarded or nervous. He was neither extraordinarily attractive nor memorably unattractive. He was not mean. He was not the homecoming king. He was just a pretty average American boy. He had plenty of friends, was sociable, and clearly hid whatever was welling beneath the surface in the last few years of his life. When Zach was 18, he met a 28-year-old stripper named Lana Shupak. The two married, and according to some sources, Zach joined the military in order to support her and the two children their marriage bore. He rose to the rank of sergeant in the U.S. Army over the course of a tour in Kosovo and a tour in Iraq. <clears throat> some of his time in Iraq was spent at Abu Ghraib. At least one of his friends told Bowen's biographer that he seemed to change while overseas. He was less happy and wanted to come home. 
Zach Bowen got his wish to come home via a general discharge. Because of the less than honorable conditions of his departure from the armory, despite an alleged honorable recommendation from his commanding officer, Bowen was left bitter. Still, he managed to keep a sm enough of a smile on to become a bartender in the French Quarter of New Orleans after he came home. He and his wife separated not long after his return, leaving Zach single in a city full of eligible women. Bowen eventually set his sights on another bartender. Her name was Addie Hall. The two had one important thing in common. They both liked to drink a lot. When Hurricane Katrina hit, the two holed up in their apartment together and rode out the storm. They were two of very few people who did not evacuate. This gained them media attention in the wake of the storm, partly because Addie had a habit of burying her breasts at police officers when they drove by. The two were also known to make cocktails for visitors to the damaged neighborhood. The aftermath of the Hurricane Katrina was like a camping trip to the young couple. They lived without electricity, drank what they had, traded booze for water, and lived a life without responsibility beyond survival. Many would later say that it suited them and going back to real life had been a tragedy for the pair. Hall was known for being a mean drunk and abusing her boyfriend when she was in a mood. Once things started getting back to normal in the French Quarter, she reportedly told the landlord that Bowen was cheating, so she was going to kick him out. It's hard to tell if these accusations were based on drunken delusion or reality. It could be said that Zach Bowen and Addie Hall had, had an unsustainable lifestyle. On the one hand, there's a bartender, perhaps also a stripper, according to some sources, who drinks too much and maybe too free with her fists. On the other hand, there's a damaged man who also drinks too much, has been across the world to fight only to come back to a small corner of the world and fight again, in more ways than one. Add to the fact that their friend, quote-unquote, Squirrel, was allegedly supplying them with a steady stream of cocaine. Imminent disaster could, couldn't be more obvious. What was shocking was how it all came crashing down. This was the state of their lives when the two 28-year-olds got into a fight on October 5th in 2006 in their apartment on North, North Rampart Street above the Voodoo Spiritual Temple. According to notes left by Bowen and evidence at the scene, Bowen strangled Hall to death in a bathtub before cutting her into pieces. So I'm not going to give the rest of the details. If you guys want to look up the rest of the details of this murder, um, just Google it. Uh, so after the murder, Zach Bowen spent some time in the apartment writing messages on the wall and spray paint and penning the five-page note that would eventually be found with his body. When he wasn't there, he was out drinking, getting strippers and doing drugs with his friends. All of this was evidently in an effort to numb the shock of what he had done, as evidenced by what he wrote and eventually did. The letter in Zach Bowen's front pocket at the time of his death told police where he lived, where they would find Addie and why. His keys were also in his pocket, as was the name of his landlord, who would eventually let the police into the apartment. On the walls of the apartment of spray paint, they found these messages. Please call my wife. I love her. I'm a total failure. Look in the oven. Please help me stop the pain. There were also burns on his body that left a message. He stated that he burned himself with a cigarette for every year of his life as punishment for his failures. So the rest of the article goes into, you know, theories around why he may have killed her and committed suicide. And, and one of the theories 
because he spent time in Kosovo and Abu Ghraib is that he suffered from PTSD. But if you look at, you know, what, what a lot of this article is talking about, as far as the letters that he wrote on, on the wall, the words that he wrote on the wall with, you know, I'm a failure burning himself with, with a cigarette for, you know, each time for every year of life that he was a failure. But on the outside, he was hanging out with friends. He was partying. And the issue is, he wasn't talking about the things that he had dealt with. This is where I, this is, this is a a prime example of the Coke bottle analogy that I've shared numerous times. We bottle things up inside, it builds up that pressure. When we, when we, when we keep things compartmentalized inside of us, it's going to find a way out. When we think that I don't need to talk about it, when we think that talking about it is for pussies or vulnerability is is a weakness, that starts to build that pressure. When we don't face the things that we've dealt with. It's kind of like being chased by that vicious animal. That is much stronger, much faster, and has much sharper teeth than we do. Eventually is going to catch us. Eventually, it's going to bite us in the ass. I think it was. It was either Jocko or Leif Babin, one of the two who um, they were talking about part of uh, Bud's training was swimming out in the ocean. And then the SEAL instructors um, merely told them about the several species of shark that are in the waters that they would be swimming in during a night dive. And they said that no seal has ever been eaten by a shark. 
But if you happen to be approached by a shark, the shark tries to attack you, use all of your might to try to punch it in the snout instead of trying to swim away. Nobody has ever at least not been unscathed by a shark by just swimming away. It's much bigger, much faster, and the water is its world. But the SEAL instructors told them that if you stand your ground and as it tries to attack you, you punch it as hard as you can in the snout. By facing that beast that is much bigger than those in training, they have a better chance of survival. dealing with the things that we've we've experienced the pains and the demons and the the tragedies and 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 the wrongdoings against us or the wrongdoings we've done all turns out to be just as powerful as that shark in the water And a lot of the veteran population is trying to run from the things that they're dealing with internally. And even though there is a, the statistic is 22, which I've been told on numerous occasions that the that the statistic statistic is actually much higher than 22. But you have 22 to 28 vets a day committing suicide. And even though this is not a secret We continue to think that I'm not talking about my stuff. That that this, this that's not for us us infantry type. You know, I wasn't infantry. I wasn't special forces. I don't pretend to be. But each person in each of those billets and each of those MOSs, they're still human. The Army just experienced a loss recently. 
They dubbed him Captain America. Something like 12 tours. I'm just going off the top of my head, just, just a memory from, from what I read up on it, but 12 tours and, and dubbed Captain America. 12 tours means the army relied on him extremely heavily. And he carried out his duties to the best of his ability to the point where he gained notoriety for it. But now the army suffered a loss, but even more importantly, his family suffered a loss. They lost somebody they'll never get back. All because of this misconception that you don't talk about the things that you're dealing with. And I don't know specifically what he went through and, and, and why it happened. And, and, and this isn't me throwing stones. But what I'm saying is we deal with this frequently, daily. Every, uh, uh, probably every one of us that have served, and there's, almost, there's almost 21 million vets in the U.S., The majority, if not every one of us, knows someone has committed suicide. Yet we're still not changing the narrative. And and, and quite frankly, this this transcends, um, you know, the the um, stigma that PTSD has for people trying to. Um, continue on in the service and, and pick up more billets and, and uh, pick up more rank and that kind of thing. This transcends any gun laws. At the core of all of that is a person, is a human, a man or a woman who has seen shit or done shit, or is dealing with shit, and they feel like they're on an island of their own. So Miranda in a live feed says, or they have opened up in the past and exposed their vulnerability and had it used against them. Yeah. Um, it's going to happen sometimes. However, That's when you take your story and you embrace it, regardless of what anybody's going to think. I've, I've talked to, I've been to conferences where it was majority, majority of women. 
and I stood up in front of like 900 people where probably 700 of them were women and talked about my affair. Now, I know that there were people in the crowd that hated that. There were people thought that I was scum of the earth because I even did that. So then the whispering starts. Oh, well, that's, do you hear what he did to his wife? Yeah. Do you hear what I did in my wife? Had a fair honor. It's part of the story. Part of my story. It's, it's, it's a chapter that's written in my book. And I can't be afraid of it. I was afraid of it for a very long time. But you can't be afraid of it. When we're running from the vicious animal, we're afraid of it. When we turn around, build the courage up to face that vicious animal. Yeah, it might be scary. But you probably live. And your son or daughter will still have their mom or dad. Your husband or wife will still have their spouse. Your mom and dad will still have their son or daughter. We focus so much on, well, I was vulnerable and I got it used against me. You could go through a crowd of people, go to the fair or something where there's just a ton of people and what you'll find is a sea of people that have made their own mistakes, that have had their own skeletons in their closet that have done bad things in their past. The perfect thing about being human is that we're imperfect. And we can learn from those imperfections. And when it comes to people that have that have judged us for our past and, and, and used our vulnerabilities against us. What we need to realize is that's not necessarily about us. Them using our vulnerabilities against us is more about them than us. And usually the one that's looking down their nose at you because you talked about a mistake that you made. has more mistakes and more skeletons in their closet than what they'll ever show anybody. Now, 
hindsight's always twenty twenty. And we can always Monday morning quarterback things and say, well, if this would have happened or or if I would have just done this, maybe this will be different or, you know, sure, sure. And with Zach Bowen, I'm sure there was a lot of Monday morning quarterbacking with a lot of people involved in his life. But this is where we have to understand that that chapter is written. And we can learn from other people that have passed away in those manners. I look at my dad as a teacher. Through his death, through his alcoholism, and him literally killing himself slowly, he taught me the ways in which not to live. But through his self-hatred, he taught me self-love. Through his self-disrespect, he taught me self-respect. Through his lack of caring for himself, he taught me self-care. He also taught me ambition. He also taught me drive. He taught me the concept of being fulfilled. all through his inaction. So this is a short one today, but I'm going to leave you with this. Go through the inventory of skeletons in your closet. Find one minor thing, one minor thing that, that, that it looks like child's play compared to everything else that you've done or been through. And if you need to sit in an empty room by yourself and just verbalize what that thing is. Just start there. If you're worried about people using it against you, just start there. Write it down on a piece of paper and then burn it. Or keep a journal. And just write a couple sentences. Then the next day, write a couple more. Before you know it, you might get to the point where you're writing six, seven, ten pages in a sitting. And before you know it, you realize your hand's hurting because you're just riding lightning speeds and gripping the pen because it's all stuff you've been holding on to for so long and you're finally letting it out. Stop going to the bar. Stop going to drugs just to, just to numb the pain. All it's doing is making it worse. If you need help, go get help. Get out of your comfort zone and go get help.
We constantly look to outside resources like nonprofits in the VA to stop the 22. But guys, this is something that we have to do ourselves. Those avenues just help. We have to take responsibility ourselves. So if you're a veteran or if you're a veteran listening to this, if you're active or reserves, you haven't joined already, join the Facebook group Vets Mentoring Vets. It's one of the few, if not the only Facebook group that doesn't allow politics or negativity or trolling. It's a group to share challenges, to seek solutions, share solutions to those dealing with challenges or sharing resources for vets. Remember, your challenge is your gift. It's not happening to you. It's happening for you. Lead yourself first. Continue to learn to communicate more effectively, first for you, then for others, with yourself and then others. And you'll find the key to leading a more positive, more fulfilled life. We'll talk to you next time.